What's up, everyone? My name is Jess Grace Garcia, and I am a music producer, filmmaker, worship pastor, and damn, do I have a lot of hot friends. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't understand how I have so many hot friends. Like, my closest friends surrounding me are all beautiful people. Does that say that I'm beautiful as well? I think it does. I'm going to decide that because I have hot friends, that also means that I'm hot. Yes, like attracts like. And like, <laughs> we have a lot of the same friends, and... So many beautiful friends. Right? It's really frustrating. Well, and also when you're queer, you just age backwards. Yeah, yeah. That, that is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and you are? My name is Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, and apparently the funny one in my friend group. I always thought I was the funny one in the group, too. Like, I don't know. You really think yeah. you're... Someone... You're pretty. <laughs> I'm funny. <laughs> Can't you be pretty and funny? Because that's what you are, Jack. There's never never been a case of that in the history yes, of the world. Yes, there has been. It exists. And that is you. <laughs> I really wish... Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love being the funny one. I just wish people didn't always assume that I'm the funny one. <laughs> like, they see all of our friends together and like, oh, Jack must have, like, personality or something. I know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I Always feel like, Miss Congeniality, never the prom queen. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like the aspect of living in LA. That's a thing though. Like if we weren't in LA, we might be considered the hot one in the group. Oh my God. Yes. When I go back to my hometown, it's so different. Like in LA, I'm fully like a four, four and a half. I'm a Modesto 13. Yeah. Just like off the scales hot. <laughs> So true. When we moved out here, I was like, I was like, man, I've got fashion sense, you know, like I got this. And then like literally LA, like just walking down the street, I was like, God damn it. I need to buy new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You run into some gays and they look at your outfit and they're like, oh my God. And you're like, yeah, I'm hot. And they're like, is that last season? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know. Like, where'd you get that old Navy? I don't know. <laughs> target like, don't fuck with me man like i don't even know <laughs> i have to like not give a shit like that's the only way to exist when it comes to this stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's hard to be broken in la for sure yeah i feel like most of us are though yeah and we're just all using different means to try to pretend that we're not broke right it's all bullshit like we're all poor we just don't want to feel poor <laughs> so we like Go out to nice dinners. Well, in the before times, we went out to nice dinners. Uh, so got nice clothes. Some people drive really fancy cars, live in the shittiest apartments. Right? Oh, my gosh. That's that's funny. That's not me at all. Um, <laughs> mostly <laughs> I have a shitty car and a shitty apartment. Thank you very much. Integrity. <laughs> <laughs> my thing is that we live in actually a really cute, like, like, 1940s style like apartment um mm -hmm. complex um in a really nice part of town like yeah, it is. like that's that's our like 
our like upsell is that like we <laughs> we've got this we're definitely living in an apartment but when i walk around i feel like i'm a millionaire <laughs> walk our neighborhood i'm like look at these mansions <laughs> <laughs> this is where i live no you don't have to see the apartment <laughs> <laughs> oh man so um what are we talking about this week jack i thought it'd be fun to talk about friends with benefits situations. Okay. Okay. Like there are so many topics that like a lot of us are interested in, or we've had experience with, and I just don't hear them talked about in queer Christian circles. And this is one of them. Well, I mean, in general, this is why we started the after dark series is because sex in general is not talked about in Mm -hmm. queer Christian circles. Yeah. Like we might make slight jokes to it, but we aren't, there's a smaller group of people which exist within our community that's <laughs> that's more comfortable with talking openly about sex. Yeah. But in general, it's still hard to talk about sex even outside of marriage or um, in regards to like something casual, you know, yeah. without it feeling like it's kind of a shame conversation. And right. that's so huge, like for us to talk about these things and just kind of try to normalize and not just normalize, but like celebrate what mm-hmm. God has given us when it comes to um, sex and orgasm and all these other ways of expressing love to each other. Like, I think it needs to be done more. I'd love for more people in our community to do it, but I'm always down for being the first to get it going. <laughs> <laughs> always the instigator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how would you define friends with benefits? Well, Jess, I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> friends with benefits situation is when you have a friend and there are benefits. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Specifically, what kinds of benefits? Uh, the way I hear it used, uh, benefits are always sexual in nature. Uh, I I could see an ace person having a friend with just romantic benefits. Yeah, totally. Like, Actually, you're saying an that, ace person, but, but I would say... There like have been anybody. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, there have been situations where I've had that with friends. I know in the queer community, especially, like, there's just this village aspect component mm-hmm. of, like, support and love for each other where some of us aren't ready to, like, be in a relationship or we are getting all of those, like, benefits from a friendship that are, like, snuggling or feeling like having a roommate, partner, someone who you can, like, live every day with, but you just don't have sex. Like, mm-hmm. you tell each other where you're going, there's all this, like, support and love, but you don't complicate it with sex, even if maybe there is chemistry there. I mean, that sounds terrible to me. <laughs> that appeals to your listeners. I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. I wouldn't, I would say that that could be in the friends with benefits, like broader description and category. Yeah. yeah <laughs> is what <for> sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the way that I've heard friends with benefits talked about as well. Like that sexual nature, um, with a friend, like what kind of friend, you know, like what kind mm-hmm. of friend are you um, having a friends with benefits scenario? Is it someone that you have like a deep relationship with, or is it someone that you just kind of know and you know a decent amount about each other, but you don't go beyond a certain depth? Like, mm-hmm. how would you continue to describe that? Oh yeah, I'm. That's a good question. I suppose a friends with benefits situation could arise in any friendship. Um, I'm assuming here that in a friends with benefits situation, the friendship is 
primary and comes first in time and the benefits are sort of added on. I feel like that's fair to most experiences of friends with benefits. Like some people use friends with benefits and fuck bud or fuck buddy as the same, but I think they're vastly different. Like a fuck buddy is just like someone you regularly have no strings sex with mm-hmm. or could you have no strings romance i guess you could you could uh i think it's very likely to fail but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i had a, a woman try to back when i dated women you know um, people change <laughs> in college i exclusively dated women and this woman i was pursuing didn't have any interest in me but enjoyed my company, enjoyed going on dates with me. And she wanted that to continue, but with like no possibility of any sort of like romantic entanglement in the future. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, that sounds so bad. No thanks, peace out. Yeah. Like everything I don't, not everything I don't want, but like I want it together, like the yeah. dating and the romance and stuff. Like sex can be a fun sort of add on. Like I wouldn't add ro- like casual romance onto yeah a friendship. I can see I can see that for sure. I feel like for me when that has manifested is in friendships um, outside of my marriage. So like already having a primary relationship and then having like someone that you enjoy going to um, going on dates with, mm-hmm. you know, and having that kind of like romantic emotional relationship, um, but that's because I'm getting that sexual component fulfilled already. You know what I mean? I don't right. think I'd want to do that if I was single. That would be hard, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to your question about like what level of friend do you build a friends with benefits situation with? I feel like it could come about in a friendship of like any length or depth. I agree. I mean, I've had relationships in general develop in a short amount of time regardless. Like Mm -hmm. I tend to know when there's deep connection possible pretty early on and Mm -hmm. kind of like I have very little fear, even though I wish I had a little more fear of like falling in love. (laughs) Right. Like just kind of like giving my heart to a person, whether it's a friendship or um, or romantic relationship. And often it's hard for me to tell the difference. And and then the reason why I say that is because as a poly person, I kind of throw my, I'm like, give you my entire heart and say like, what's the reason for having a half-ass friendship? Like, here's all of me. Right. Um, and I especially do that with, with women, but in the queer community, I've definitely done that with AMAB peeps. Um, and so I don't know, I feel like it's interesting to think about uh, a casual romantic relationship without the Mm. sex. Like that's so odd to me but hey if you're doing it like let me know i'd love to hear about it (laughs) tell me how it's working yeah i mean we always bump up against this sort of thing that the lines between friendship and romance and between both of those and sex are not as cut and dry as people treat them as being like if dates are you go out one-on-one with a person in some sort of like social environment or even like 
dinner one-on-one in your home. Like I used to do that with friends all the time. Oh, hundred percent. Four times. And 100%. I plan to do so when things open up again. And so like what you do or don't call a date, it can be real fuzzy. Yeah. I have a few very close friends that I would consider emotional secondaries. That's the best way I know how to describe those relationships mm-hmm. because these are people who, when they travel or they go away, um, I want to know that they landed safely. I want to know, um, I want to get updates on their day, especially when we're first in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Me and my friend, Jenica, for the first year of our relationship, caught up with each other literally every day. I needed to hear that she was okay. I wanted to hear how her day was going. I wanted to hear how, what she was making for dinner. I wanted to hear about the silly stuff that you only ever want to hear about in a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. But that's what we had. We had a romantic friendship. It was the only way to describe it. Like we both knew that we weren't looking for something sexual with each other, but we still loved the devotedness of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's like, honestly, it takes a lot of work, but it's like so fulfilling to know that you're an essential part of someone's life. Mm -hmm. And I would put that under a friends with benefits category, you know, because we were not opposed to if, if the right scenario were to happen, um, she's long distance. So it's a little less possible, but if the right scenario were to happen, if sex were, sex were to happen one night, that would be fine. What sorts of scenarios <laughs> might this happen in? What might the relevant parties be wearing? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that's so interesting for me. Like I love, I love to overthink and over um control and perfectionist every romantic encounter like at first when i'm first meeting someone mm-hmm. and yet now that i'm married and i feel really fulfilled in that area like anyone else it's like i just love the spontaneity of things like i love mm-hmm. a conversation hangout turns into a snuggle turns into something else um you know like right. that's i enjoy that spontaneity and that openness like you often say this one phrase, um, I think we both kind of do on Lavender Mafia. It's one of my favorite things. Um, maybe we'll put it on a t-shirt someday. But um, it's, you know, we love to help people know how to love your neighbor as yourself by going down on them. Like, <laughs> yes. that concept is huge to me in um, in this, in like the core of my ideas around being poly. Like, I mm-hmm. want to be able to love on my friends to the fullest amount and the fullest degree, like in a utopian universe, Mm -hmm. if it weren't to complicate a scenario and it looked like it was going to just add to that relationship, I would love to like love on a friend. Um, if it would make them feel better by making love to them or by going down on them or by, you know, whatever (laughs) Mm -hmm. sexual thing it is and not have to worry about our friendship later. Like, Mm-hmm. Is our friendship going to be okay? Yeah. And I've been fortunate to have that happen with a couple of people. Um, it's just hard within, I think, our queer Christian circles for sex to f- be casual and still connected. What do you mean by connected? I think that people make a hard line between like, okay, if I'm going to have casual sex with someone, it can't be with a friend. It has to be with someone who I'm just going to meet on Grinder or Tinder and fuck and then i'm good to go um we're queer tinder isn't for that (laughs) (laughs) queer people keep tinder classy um okay (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, apparently your mileage may vary. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, I think in that, that scenario, um, that I would say that with queer Christian people, they want to create, like, keep this hard line, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to like kind of opening the door and allowing themselves to experience like a loving friendship that also includes sex sometimes mm-hmm. like that feels scary. It feels like, wait, sex is for marriage. And you have to go through this whole process in your head of like <laughs> sex is either something you do when you're just fucking someone and, and like experiencing, like experimenting, experiencing life mm-hmm. or your, or you're considering a like long-term relationship, mm-hmm. but there, that in between, there's so much space in between to like, <laughs> to like have a loving friendship that doesn't have the pressure of this has to be a relationship. Like it can exist right. as this beautiful friendship that also includes benefits sometimes. Mm-hmm. And some would say, what is the difference between a friends with benefits scenario? If you're single, if both of you are single and you're friends with benefits, what is the difference between that and dating? And I think it's just communication, like you guys agreeing that that's it. But maybe you have a more specific answer. Yeah, I mean, that that difference in expectations and communication around it, I think, are the two big things like usually, but not all the time. People who are dating for some length of time, they want it to go somewhere. They have some sort of end game for the relationship in the future. Whereas a friends with benefits situation, I feel like it's more like in the moment, like we both like, I mean, it could be in the moment of like literally in that moment, you decide to have sex and you don't like talk about like, oh, let's make this a friends with benefits thing for you how have the friends with benefits situations that you've been involved with how did those come about like our listeners might want this for themselves but not know how they might take like a friend to a friends with benefits i kind of have a weird uh trajectory of like how things have developed in my life Mm. um i've always i previously thought i was like a hardcore monogamous individual, but really what I was, was someone who was deeply devoted to my partner Mm -hmm. and didn't realize until I had a really healthy relationship that that could also involve these other deeply devoted relationships that I'd had. And so I had to try to traverse that communication about being poly and so forth. So my discovery of friends with benefits scenarios that's happened while I've been married, which is such a, (laughs) such an odd way to do it like a scandal (laughs) it just is right it's a little odd like for that to develop in in that space as opposed to when you're single and still trying to figure things out Mm -hmm. but it was a really um hard but safer place for me to feel open um to that i think confidence is a huge factor feeling Mm -hmm. like i'm confident about the chemistry i'm having with an individual being willing to name it, being willing to be the one that steps out and says like, I feel like there's something going on here. It's kind of special. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're super hot. Like it feels like you feel <laughs> the same way. And it is hard. Like I've said before, it feels like you're just kind of stepping out on the edge of that cliff and hoping you 
you know, aren't crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've gotten pretty comfortable with it. I would say I have a pretty high success rate. So <laughs> I got to rely on that. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of times it's happened in conversation around, <laughs> funny enough, my wife, like talking about sex with my wife or talking about like telling a story that's super sexy because I'm pretty good at sexy stories. Mm-hmm. And there then having people be turned on and communicating that and then wanting to continue turning them on. Mm-hmm. Um and like feeling that energy, whether it's on the phone or over text message or whatever, and then kind of like going from there and just being mm-hmm. for me, being a married, um, being a married individual, like having a conversation with my wife and saying like, Hey, so this is kind of developing here. Is that chill? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, this is what I, this is my limitation. Tell me more about these people, this person, um, and just having communication, but Sure. But there's there's some allowance um, like in general. And um, I've had a couple of like fun friends with benefits kind of scenarios um, that have been mostly like sexting or um, some aspect of that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been really um, that's been really fun. And sometimes it like last just a couple of times and it's fine. Um, maybe it just happens once or maybe it happens, um, for a few months, but I've never had it happen for too, like too long term. Most of the time it's like a, a passing through kind of scenario. Like we enjoy each other, we have fun and then, uh, we just stay friends and Mm -hmm. we, we continue to check in with each other and care about each other. But that's been my experience, um, so far with that, just because to be honest, people, fall in love with me because I'm wife material and that, um, <laughs> checks out <laughs> and, and that, that like complicates things. And so, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's been that scenario. Uh, I know with my girlfriend, we, I didn't know what to expect and thought it might be a scenario of, uh, of like connection that would lead to something, but instead now it's like a full blown relationship. So, <laughs> uh, I think my friends with benefits like uh, energy and ability to do so is probably over for a while <laughs> <laughs> juggling two relationships. But yeah. What about you? Um, what has been your kind of experience with that? Um, I think I've only had one, maybe one and a half situations that I would describe as like a friends with benefits situation. The half is uh, a mutual friend of ours we talked about maybe getting like a friends with benefits thing going after the pandemic, but then like pandemic still going on and like, I'm in a monogamous relationship now. So that's not going to happen, but it's going to happen. <laughs> and like one is, uh, before I really got more involved in queer Christian circles here in LA, I had a friend I met through the, like, hookup apps um and we just had like more friend vibes and so we started hanging out and completely platonically and just really enjoyed each other's company we'd go on a lot of sort of like friend dates and one time after we had lunch together it felt like we had a kind of chemistry and that i wanted to do something about it so instead of saying goodbye I grabbed his shirt and pulled him real close until we were like face to face, but not touching. 
And then we start making out. Wow, that was hot. And <sighs> from there, we would fool around every once in a while. Uh, not like every time we hang out, but pretty often. And it was great. Like we liked doing a lot of the same things. We would just like watch some Netflix and then maybe we'd go down on each other. Maybe we wouldn't. I didn't hate Netflix it. and <laughs> go down on each other. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. I think that that kind of thing can happen a lot, especially like in, um, like, I think I was talking about this the last After Dark episode that, like, sometimes with those of us that um, have transitioned later in life into figuring out our queerness mm-hmm. um, or finding that, like, comfort between queer and Christian, that sometimes um, our friends who are doing the same thing or whatever, we have a hard time communicating that we actually, like, there might actually be chemistry. Like, I had a situation mm-hmm. where um, I grew up with this one of my best friends um now but we grew up together since teenagers and um i'd always thought of them as just pure platonic friend for like over a decade uh-huh. and then i had a breakup happen um and we became super close um and supportive of each other cuz she also was going through a breakup mm-hmm. and she's the one that introduced me to the ideas around being poly mm-hmm. because she is poly and it was um interesting because we were just snuggling like we often did Mm -hmm. um watching a movie and something kind of you know i felt a little tingling sensation (laughs) and i was like whoa 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 what's going on nope can't fuck this up nope 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 this is the only friend that i have right now while i'm going through all this bullshit like don't fuck up a good friendship and my hand was it was hard because like my hands have a life of their own (laughs) and um there's chemistry and uh, I could feel that she was feeling similarly, mm-hmm. but it was still a scary thing to have a friendship that was so long and so consistently platonic transition. Mm-hmm. And I had my hand on her stomach and I was kind of caressing her stomach and I could feel her kind of like push herself cause we were spooning, push herself into me a little bit more. Um, and I was like, God damn it. This is the choice. Like, this is the moment where I make a choice (laughs) about what I do. And I chose to quote unquote, fall asleep and just like (laughs) not make a move because we both had really been each other's like rocks in this, like, um, really hard scenarios for both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I didn't want to potentially screw that up. And, um, so that was my decision at that time. And a year later we ended up having a conversation around, like I was already in a relationship with Erica. She was, she called me up to tell me that she had her first, uh, situation with a woman and I was excited for her, but also felt a flood of jealousy and I didn't understand why. Mm -hmm. And we were on the phone and she could feel that because we just have that kind of energy connection. Mm -hmm. And she ended up saying, what's going on? And just calling it out. And me being like, me having a paused moment of like, I'm either going to tell her what's going on right now. Or I'm going to obviously like change the subject, subject, you know? Uh Um, And I just decided to be honest. I was like, I'll be honest. I felt a little jealous of the fact that your first time was with someone other than me. 
And she was like, without a beat, without a moment, like a moment in between, she just said, me too. And I just realized that we had this, like I said, remember last year when this happened? She was like, yes. And I wanted you to. And I was like, oh, and we just had this like (laughs) conversation around like the chemistry that we've had, um, like past that point. And I said, when did you start feeling chemistry or attraction to me? And she just said, I've never stopped being attracted to you. I've been attracted to you since we were younger. And I was like, oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was a different experience for me. And it was just a really interesting um, conversation. But our friendship was over a decade old. And so it was really cool to like have that friendship not crash and burn because of a moment and like actually be able to talk about that chemistry and still love each other through it. And now we just joke about when we're both feeling a little too turned on or whatever and we move on, right? Like, uh-huh. but we have this devotion and love for each other. That's very obvious. And, um, and I love that. I love that about our friendship yeah. that we're able to traverse that. And I think if she was closer, who knows what could happen and who knows what could happen in the future. Like, I don't really know, but, um, yeah. it feels like the kind of friendship that could, you know, every now and then have that kind of connecting energy without the pressure of it being anything else mm-hmm. because we love the way the friendship is. Right. You know? And I feel like I bring this back to being poly, but I feel like this is, it could be more than this um, for some people. I feel like the idea of loving someone and having to limit how we love them is often affected by our own baggage. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the way that we like <laughs> the way that we've been hurt or the trauma that we've had or the triggers that we deal with might prevent us from moving forward in a certain area, um, mm. especially sex. Sex is such a fragile aspect of the way that we communicate love for each other. Like it's nakedness, right? It's like, right. this is all of me. I'm no longer hiding the, the small parts of myself that I don't enjoy. Or maybe not so small. Or not so small. <laughs> um but yeah it's it's a vulnerability which Mm -hmm. is is something that um can be hard to to give to someone you know that you already uh, especially a friend have already been vulnerable with in so many other ways Mm -hmm. like the idea of a fuck buddy is like you don't know shit about me so i could give a crap what you think when we have sex like i'm enjoying this this sexual component to our relationship whereas a friends with benefits is like I'm being vulnerable with you in all the ways. Yeah, I mean, I had a fuck bud who didn't even know my real name. Wow. Love that. It was kind of a turn on for me. Yeah, that's kind (laughs) of hot. That's kind of hot. But with friends, right? Would you agree? It's that's the it's similar to the vulnerability of a romantic relationship without the the trying to grow it to a specific, you know, end point or whatever. Like. It's like, you know what? We're friends. We'll always be friends. I love you. I care for you. I also would like to go down on you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's part of what makes friends with benefits situations like a little dangerous and a little amazing mm-hmm. because a lot of us experience sex as something that connects us emotionally as well as physically with another person. Mm-hmm. And to have that dimension to a friendship can really bring you a lot closer. 
but it could could drive you apart if it's if it's not the right time or if one of you catches feelings or you kind of think about sex differently because some people have a difficult time having sex with people and not like falling in love with them. I like mean, if that, that's, that's with me. You, probably <laughs> friends with benefits, like uh, surgeons general warning. <laughs> I'm not going to say never do right. it, but like, Ooh, maybe think about never doing it. <laughs> yeah. I would say that honestly, I feel like you just described me. Um, but I'm okay with falling in love with a friend. But that's because I'm Polly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've put it into a category of like, yeah, I just care deeply for the people that I care deeply for. Like, it's just an aspect of me. Mm-hmm. I think if you're single and you're monogamous, then it's a different story. Like, it's hard to, like, if you have a hard time falling, um, not falling in love with someone that you're having sex with, then I would agree with you. Hey, beautiful babes. As we go into our third month of creating fun, sex-positive, hopefully thoughtful queer Christian content. (laughs) We've been absolutely blown away by how many of you have made listening to us a regular part of your week. We're also realizing that we need the support of our community of listeners to continue the work that we're doing. So many people have felt the one thing that we were hoping they would feel because of this podcast, that they're not alone. So if Lavender Mafia has meant something to you or you realize how much it can mean to so many others, please consider going to patreon.com slash lavmafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A, and make a monthly subscription to help us keep doing this work. Every little bit helps. Thank you. What is it like to have friends with benefits situations that are by nature sort of open-ended by being poly? Like that they could become more. It sounds scary. <laughs> I love certainty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you and my wife are very similar in that way. And I think that mm-hmm. that's been um, her hardship and struggle um, because I'm not going to say that like doing all of this and transitioning and having a girlfriend and, and us kind of like going through this isn't hard. Like that would be a lie. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hard. Um, because she enjoys certainty and, uh, she has said before that part of her enjoyment of the term monogamous for herself, um, is rooted in the idea that she found me and I was too good to be true and Mm -hmm. she wanted to hold on to me. Mm-hmm. And that's where that desire around monogamy came into play. Um, and since she's been able to kind of like grow beyond that, she's realized that's really where it's rooted. So she's not really actually monogamous. Her her trauma has, or her triggers or her baggage or whatever has gotten her to this place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I'm just a crazy mofo that is okay <laughs> with getting a broken heart every, you know, couple times a year. I don't know how to say. Um, so. <laughs> I've just gotten used to that part of life because you can't anticipate anything. I, I'm a control freak too. I -hmm. like to know what's going to happen, but so often it has not worked out exactly the way I want it to work out. And I just keep learning that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think when 
you can open up your idea around, like I have, um, that, you know, my certainty is in my marriage and in my, my relationship with my wife, even though I have to say, like, the problem with too much certainty is that you don't put in the work. And, yeah. like, I'm doing my best to continue to put in the work and continue to to um, take us on dates and, and, and put in the effort to, like, love on my wife well. Mm-hmm. And even more so, now that I have a girlfriend, there is that balance that is necessary. And, um, and also allowing my girlfriend to love my wife well mm-hmm. and support her you know um and it's scary all of it's scary life is mm. fucking scary yeah like to be like oh i'm you know what's it like to go drive 80 miles an hour every day like <laughs> <laughs> and risk your life to get to work like yeah that's the thing right life is fucking scary but i'm not going to stop doing it um because then i'll miss out on so much of the beauty of it all mm-hmm. and falling in love is fucking blast and then it's about the tiny things it's like the the moments of feeling very seen and known and um i think the beauty is in that vulnerability Mm -hmm. you know because i'm excellent at putting on a show like my wife she called me awesome girl the first couple dates and i was like "Mm, can i have a couple of passes for not being awesome because i'm really good (laughs) at the sales pitch early (laughs) (laughs) you know and i had to kind of realize like eventually she's gonna see the hard things and eventually i saw the hard things for her too Mm -hmm. and you choose to love each other through it like i'm seeing kind of like those those imperfections Mm -hmm. and i'm allowing you to see my imperfections um and i think that that's like where the actual center of the tootsie roll pop is right (laughs) (laughs) that's where it's at Mm-hmm. That vulnerability um, and getting someone continuing to choose to love you. Because at some point it is a choice. Yeah. yeah. yeah I feel like opting into that vulnerability for two people who are entering into friends with benefits situation. It really can be a way for you to love your neighbor as yourself. For those of us who don't believe that sexual activity, wherever we draw those boundaries. For those of us who don't believe that that is only for like lifelong marriage, then that opens sex up to mean lots of different things Mm -hmm. and to be used for lots of different things. Yeah. And we see a lot of the ways that sex is used for purposes that harm other people. But there are lots of ways that sex can be used to build up other people outside of the context of a lifelong marriage. It even can build your own confidence for a while, right? Like the idea that a friend cares about you, loves you, and also thinks you're sexy as fuck Mm. and wants a piece of that. (laughs) Right. It's like, uh, they want a piece of this. Nice. Like that feels really good, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's a way to flip that shit and be like, Oh, but they don't want a relationship. Well, actually you seem unhealthy. You need to work on your shit. <laughs> I mean, and there are lots of reasons why one or both of you would not want a romantic so relationship. True. Like 
maybe you're great together, but you've got like totally different life trajectories. Yep. But to have somebody who like means a ton to you Mm -hmm. and like you have a lot of respect for and for whatever reason, you know, the like romance of whatever kind that's not in the cards like you still want to fuck each other like that can be something amazing i would say like that is the one scenario where i would um uh, not the one scenario but one of the few scenarios where i would have sex with bi guys uh trans guys and like non-binary peeps are definitely of the energy that i've discovered in the past two years like are compatible with me Mm -hmm. and that's been really interesting because i you know, had my little box and thought that I knew what I was and, mm-hmm. and how, how everything worked with me. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of been, that's been my experience with who I'd be open to like trying new things with. And I say trying new things with, because honestly I've only been in sexual relationships with, um, with AFAB peeps that mm-hmm. mostly identify as, as women. Right? right. And so it's been, it'll, it would be an experiment and it would be, um, a and a new experience for mm-hmm. me so i guess that's more just my imagination saying like oh i think I'd, i think i'd be open to this i think i'd be down to try this and a friends with benefits would be the only way that that would kind of uh transition yeah, yeah you know if it became more than that that's a totally other conversation but as a married devoted <laughs> wife <laughs> that would be the only scenario where that would um open up mm-hmm I feel like that's another dimension of like the inherent possibilities of friends with benefits. Like we get to discover more about kind of our own gender and sexuality as it interacts with other people's gender and sexuality in a context that's at least hopefully like more loving and respectful. Like, fooling around with a friend who's of a gender that normally you wouldn't consider as a possible sexual partner. Like that can be more than just like experimentation or like fetishization. Yes. Whereas like a more casual thing, I would worry that, that that might be behind it. Like, Oh, you're just trying to like do your punch card. Like a lot of trans people experience that. Like a Mm. lot of people want to, have sex with one of them once as if like we're all interchangeable. Yeah, that's gross. I feel like what it's helped open my mind up has been being in queer community and like having actual Mm -hmm. friendships and relationships with people that identify with all different types of things or they've changed, they've transitioned in within our friendship Mm -hmm. and me just realizing like, like I said at the beginning of the show, like my friends are fucking beautiful (laughs) and then being like, Oh, oh, Jess, you thought you knew. (laughs) You thought you knew, but actually you're like, I have more openness than, um, than I thought. And, um, and I feel like if in my mind, just having that little switch change Mm -hmm. means that if a friendship developed just like any other friendship I'd had where I previously had had a certain experience, then I wouldn't be opposed to it happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to more happening. Um, and that's right. kind of helped because 
uh, I feel like I did have a pretty limited scope about what I was, um, who I was open to falling for. Mm -hmm. And I'll say even more specifically, like before I started dating my wife, I thought, oh, I'm only into tall girls. My wife is five, (laughs) two, right? Like five, two and a half, five, three. Like I thought, oh, how could I actually, and and I realized how shitty that was. And like, Mm. also misogynistic and like some of this toxic masculinity, you know, conservative masculinity that I brought along with me coming out of conservatism and trying to be masculine. Like Mm. there are so many aspects of things that I've had to just be like, have a conversation with in my head and be like, yeah, no, like let's, let's get rid of that part of your categorical box. Mm -hmm. And so much of that has continued to open up. And I've just realized that for me, I'm just, I'm really just attracted to energy. Energy is a thing for me. And that has opened up so many um, avenues and doors for deep connection. Mm -hmm. Like I would say, even before my wife, I thought I needed a Christian to deeply fall in love with and have energy connection with. Mm -hmm. have spiritual i would have said then a spiritual deep connection with Mm -hmm. that's not true my wife is a pagan witch we have incredibly deep energy and spiritual connection Mm -hmm. so that's just like if that helps to kind of frame all of that like i think that i've had an idea and i think a lot of people do this we have ideas about who we're attracted to and then you kind of open up your mind about it and you realize right that actually you've been limiting yourself. Yeah. I feel like for so many of us, like our type or types, like the kind of people we think of ourselves as being likely to be attracted to has a lot to do with like how we interacted with like a very small number or maybe like one member of that class. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, like a really hot encounter with a person such and such and so like that's kind of my type or Mm -hmm. like culture tells us to like really tall women blonde hair blue eyes barbie kind of dimensions like that's desirable so like for a lot of men mostly like cis straight men like they consider that to be their type a lot of them don't broaden their horizons anymore but i feel like for those of us in the queer community especially with those of us with like a little bit more experience, you know, we've been around the box a few times. <laughs> like you get to experience the beauty of so many different genders and body types and personalities. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that's been interesting too, has been for me, people who have uh, developed chemistry or feelings for me have often been, women who are discovering their queerness or have discovered recently their queerness, but they're also in relationships with, with straight cis dudes. And they're also discovering, Oh no, am I poly? Like, and Mm -hmm. I think that that is an interesting aspect and component. I had a friend um, outside of even a situation with me, a friend who was um, pretty staunchly monogamous and didn't really, couldn't even wrap their head around it. And then they had um, they had a sexual experience with someone who was open mm-hmm. in their relationship, had a committed re- had a committed relationship, and was open um, sexually. And they had a really beautiful friendship where they learned a lot of things about consent and and were able to take it slow and kind of get some of these first time sexual experiences without it feeling like it was risking uh, 
a long-term relationship mm-hmm. and they came to me later and they were just like, so my mind has been completely blown and open up <laughs> about the idea of what an open relationship or a poly relationship could look like. And yeah, I'm so sorry about what I said before. Mm. Like, and like, it's cool. You didn't have the experience to understand it. Mm. So it's just really cool how it can provide so much opportunity for people to um, heal. Like I had yeah. a sexual experience happen right before I met my wife, which I've shared on the show. Um, but not um, the aspect to me that was so important to that was it was with a bi dude. And mm. um, I was able to have this like kind of like loose, fun uh, sexual experience with this guy and feel good about myself and kind of gain back some confidence that I had kind of lost in the year previous of being single and, and mm. alone. And it allowed me and opened up the doors for me to like actually make a move on my wife when we first started dating <laughs> and um, not feel insanely awkward about it. Uh-huh. And it was because of that friend who I then saw at weddings later and we would high five or dance or whatever. Like it was like not a big deal <laughs> or at parties every now and then. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was married and in an open relationship mm-hmm. and it was it felt really good. I was very different looking than his wife, but I filled, I ticked a lot of boxes for him as a bi dude <laughs> being masculine and curvy. Um, and I felt beautiful and attractive and handsome all at the same time being acknowledged, um, by this bi guy to being beautiful mm-hmm. and it, and desirable, I guess I should say. And it felt really good and helped me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I attribute that very one night spontaneous scenario to having a more smoother uh, transition into a relationship with my wife. Mm. I really have to credit that. That's really cool. You know, and it was just a one night thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think friends with benefits can be a beautiful way of connecting, can be a beautiful way of growing. Um, and uh, you just never know what it can lead to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Earlier when you talked about the experience you had with your friend where she was trying to initiate something and then you kind of shut it down, I think that illustrated really well sort of the other type of like loving your neighbor as yourself in this kind of situation. Like if you have a friend and it seems like maybe a friends with benefits situation is brewing, but for one reason or another, you know that it wouldn't contribute to their flourishing probably would be better to shut it down. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's not always you, you briefly mentioned before that it's not always the healthiest yeah. decision to make, you know, like just because you're feeling the desire right then, just because there's chemistry doesn't mean you need to make a move. And mm-hmm. I think that's been a conversation I had with a lot of people who are so used to this black and white thinking, like, it's okay that we have chemistry. We can still be friends. Right. It's okay that you think I'm hot. Do I need to send less selfies? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what do you need right now from me? Like, do I need to s- scale it back with my energy? By the way, this is the energy I throw at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what do you need? Like for this to be okay for you to feel healthy? Because so many people just, especially if they're in relationships already, uh, run so fast and hard away 
Yeah. Like, oh no, I'm not ready for a relationship. Ah, you know, like, or, <laughs> oh no, I'm already in a relationship. Oh God, this is scary. <laughs> Run away. It's like, whoa, 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 calm down. It's okay. This doesn't have to be anything more than what it is. Mm-hmm. People are so, f- communication, I think we're going to always talk about the fact that communication is just everything. Yeah, yeah. Being willing to talk about these things without it ruining everything. Yeah. And for me, the dynamics of desire came up, came up too. like, we've talked about how those of us who grew up queer, especially those of us who grew up queer in non-affirming religious contexts, like we were trained and, or we trained ourselves to really like repress our own desires. Yeah. And so when a lot of us like came out and became more, fully integrated with our gender genders and our sexualities. A lot of us went like, okay, I've got a desire. Like I'm going to act on it. Desires are good. And I think there's a lot of health to that. I think a lot of our community would benefit from like discerning desires. Like there's a lot that's problematic about St. Paul and the Bible. But he has this phrase, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. The thing is really helpful. Mm. Like a friends with benefits situation, whether you enter into it or not, it's not sin versus not sin. But it might be one way could be pursuing my friends flourishing and my own at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the other might be less constructive for that. And that might be a reason to like rein in a desire. That's really good, Jack. I know that we do this thing where we talk about all the fun shit and then we go, <laughs> but <laughs> right. <laughs> Content warning. <laughs> like don't go out into the world and ruin your life trying to do this. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really great way of summarizing um, just the things that we should be cautious about. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, friendship and devotion and love um within a friendship is a much higher priority than um blue clit mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of the day like i just have to like i have to say it right because like mm-hmm. that's gonna happen sometimes and it's okay you know masturbation's a thing go back to our episode on masturbation yeah don't ruin a friendship just to get your dick wet people yeah physician heal thyself (laughs) (laughs) seriously well i think that that was uh honestly i feel like that was a great way to wrap things up talking about it did you have anything else you wanted to say about friends with benefits just that i love how we're out here in largely undiscovered territory trying to thread this needle between like a lot of our conservative Christian contexts that uh, an episode on friends with benefits would be real short. It'd be like friends with benefits always say no. Mm-hmm. And then some of our other progressive contexts where it's just like sort of anything goes kind of swinging the pendulum completely in the other direction. Yep. And we're out here in the middle saying like, uh, yeah, the doors wide open to everything. Um, also, we experience hurting and being hurt by not discerning how to use that liberty wisely. Yes. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of other people who are talking about this kind of thing, but I'm glad we're doing 
something about it. I mean, it's our version of uh, sex education. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, education around these things and acknowledgement of um, past trauma and the fact that we know it so well because we lived it. Mm-hmm. Especially for our community of people who are coming out of Christianity, um, evangelicalism, conservatism, whatever. Yeah. Like, those friends that are straight who are listening, those friends who are queer who are listening all have a lot of similar baggage because of coming out of similar places Mm -hmm. and kind of acknowledging and saying, we know that that baggage is fucking real. Right. And that it's hard to deal with and that we can't just ignore it. And we have to acknowledge that it exists and we have to acknowledge it with each other Mm -hmm. um, in order to love each other. Well, and this is how, God actually does acknowledge that always, you know, and like being able to pull that back to scripture at times and um, good, solid fucking theology. Thanks to you, Jack. And (laughs) I, uh, I agree. It's, I don't know what it is, but I enjoy being a part of um, conversations that no one else has had yet. There's also that part of me that's like, why hasn't anyone talked about this yet? (laughs) But I'm happy to be a part of the the start of that. And I hope there are more people who will continue that aspect. Um, Because unfortunately, I see, especially in our queer Christian community, so many people who are really just stuck in this aspect of justifying our (laughs) lives to conservatives. Mm Mm-hmm. And people who are coming out of conservatism, what do you do after that? How do you grow? Who's there to foster the growth? There aren't a lot of people out there trying to foster growth. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just like, hey, here's all the ways that you can justify who you are. Okay. We're like, like, that's great. Please, people who are doing that, keep doing that. But we also are here to help you grow and like move into faith Mm -hmm. again. Right? Not just away from or not just um, how to justify yourself within an area that is um, not accepting of you. Like, mm-hmm. no, like there's a whole community of people that um, exist here that will completely accept you as you are and help um, and desire your flourishing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? <sighs> I love doing this. I know we say that all Same. the time, but like, <laughs> I love doing this. It's hard work and we spend hours all the time like editing and spending time with people in our community and ministering and loving people, but I love it. I love it. Yeah. Same here. A friend recently said like, Jack, you basically have right two sermons a week. I'm like, Oh my God, I like write two sermons a week. (laughs) Just like preparing content for, recording but i love doing it i love having a reason to like delve into the bible and theology and psychology and like all this nerdy shit to like hold up my end of what we're doing yeah no absolutely it's the same for me like spending hours editing and working on how to get our content to more people and then loving on just loving on people. When, when you reach out to us and you desire for us to have a zoom call or you desire to, to just feel known and seen by us, like that is such a beautiful component of what we do, but Mm -hmm. it's also time. 
that we're putting into loving this community, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was raised by a missionary, so, um, (laughs) and super evangelical. So, like, my heart is often, and I'm a two wing three. Uh, (laughs) So, I'm often just overextending and giving of myself a -hmm. lot, you know? And so, I have to sometimes go, like, how do we keep this going? Right. Like, and I feel like that's why we started the Patreon. We don't have tears up yet. We're working on it, people. But we do really appreciate, like, the contributions that you give to us um, at at our Patreon because it helps us to feel like we can keep doing what we're doing. We can keep justifying the time that we're spending um, and um, not feeling too overextended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I always say this at the end, like if what we do here has meant anything to you, I hope you'll consider going to patreon.com slash lavmafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A, and helping us to continue to do this work because we love doing this and we can't do it without you. Also, if what we do has meant something to you, drop us a note. Like we love hearing your stories. Drop us a question. It's hard coming with all this content, people. Like, give us some ideas. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What do you want to hear about? Really, we want to know what you want to hear about. So right now we are pretty active on Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. at L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A. And also um, we have an email, thelavendermafia at gmail.com. So you can send us your stories because we want to hear them. You can send us your questions because we need content. But we really want to hear from you guys. Like, seriously please if you think that your story isn't um worth it think again we want to hear it yeah we really do um all right beautiful babes be fierce keep the faith and don't fuck it up our amazing music is written and produced by evan coles of springwood productions speaking of springwood i just want to thank them for recording mixing and producing our audio without them this podcast wouldn't be happening Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional, and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com. 